Blog Talk Radio. Go With Angels is more than the title of Mary Brotherton's debut book. It's her wish for you and your loved ones. Join her on her podcast every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as she talks about angels and messengers from the spirit world. Of course, she'll talk about her book and the inspiration behind it, too. Call 516-418-5651 after 11 on Friday mornings to share your stories about angelic encounters. Good morning, everybody. We were having a few technical difficulties on several fronts here this morning, but I think we're here together, and I want to tell you, uh, my guest today is Gary Rosenberg. He is the author of Journey, Slotsky's World, The Forgotten Father, Look at Me World, and is also the co-author of Cats, Cats, and More Cats. Today, we're going to be talking with Gary about how angels have played a role in his life. And if you want to call the show and talk with me or Gary or share your own story about angels, we're going to be here for about half an hour. And the number to call is 516-418-5651. Good morning, Gary. Hey, Mary. I hope you can hear me. I hear you. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, uh, Rosenberg is a funny thing because I don't really talk about it, but at one time that was the family name, and Dad changed it to Rowan, R-O-E-N. And, uh, you use spell. Yeah, yeah it, but I just use it for one of my emails. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel close and family to my parents do, by doing that. Uh, also, I think, thinking about the subject of the show, uh, the character Slotsky Bear, I think, came from, don't quote me, but what, what I write with him, and the essence of it is he's a scary, large teddy bear with fangs, with what looks like blood on the gums, teeth and fangs, uh, metal uh, fingers and and toes. And I actually saw this teddy bear. I don't know who makes it or whatever, but I used to work in market research at Florida Mall, and I found him. And I didn't want to take him home, but, you know, I that night... I was in a restaurant, and I started writing on a uh, menu and had to go home, finish my meal and go home and start the stories. And I began by saying that we all love the cuddly, adorable teddy bears, but there's nothing redeeming about this one. And yet there is, because something lives inside of him that when people have problems, they don't know why they're picking him up, and it's always on a trash pile or a trash can, because it's, I guess, a social commentary, and that's what's on the covers of the book with my publisher of uh, Legacy Books publishing in, in Winter Park. And we kind of came to the consensus that there's something that lives inside of him that when these people pick him up, 
they got problems going on, and he helps solve the problems. Therefore, maybe he's kind of an angel. I never really explain, but in what I'm working on now, I do kind of explain how he came to be, and it's from one of the short stories in the collection journey. And uh, that one is a story called Ryan's Passing. And then in Slotsky's World, I have kind of a tie-in in the prologue. And then uh, something that actually happened to me, I used in a story in Slotsky's World, and I'm always using different things. And so I'm very happy to talk about the subject because, you know, you are very into it as well, and I've reviewed your books, and it's a topic of discussion that always is very interesting. So um, I know you've recently had an incident personally, not just with writing, but in your real life where you think an angel may have helped you. Oh, I firmly believe that. Also, uh, let me go back a little bit, and then I'll tie in how I brought it into writing. Years ago, when I was married, there was the death of my son that is the basis for uh, the forgotten father. And the situation happened that my ex-wife and I and the two stepdaughters moved from the house that our son died in, and we were in an entirely different home. And the younger stepdaughter, and her name is Denise, and, and uh, you know, she's uh, now turned out to be a wonderful lady, um, she had a friend that had a child of her own, and they laid that child on the carpet in the family room we had, and they were taking pictures and adoring the child and everything. And they took a picture of this child, and you look, there's an image in the TV. It was the old type Zenith color TV. So, you know, you. And so we at first thought it was a reflection of this child, but you look closer and closer, it was our son Michael. Oh, wow. So I asked a a place that developed photos what it meant. And they said, well, did you have somebody die? I said, yes, but about a year ago or or whatever. And they said, was it a baby? Because they could see, you know, I said, yeah, it was. And he said, well, your child just wants you to know he's there with you. That's nice. It was was a feeling of comfort. Years later, I had this idea of a story called Spirit, and there's more to it that is revealed in the story, but I won't say about it. But the premise was you have two individuals, a husband and wife. They've been married 40 years. That's 40. They're celebrating at the beach, on the beach, with some friends. They're going to take a picture of all the friends. And so they get a person 
walking by to take the photo on the cell phone. When the picture comes out, they all look at it and they're like, huh, who's the 11th person? Nobody knows who that person is. And then it all ties in, and that's how I tied it in. And it was that, that's in the collection Slotsky's World. And because I'm always doing things like that, then there was, because uh, I'm showing that I believe in this, I was trying to get my benefits, medical benefits with the VA, and I had a hard time. So I went out to what used to be my dad's office. He had died in, uh, a couple of years ago before that. So I'm there, and I start looking through some files, and I found this file that proved my point of what I was saying to the VA. I was so happy. I came up like my dad used to when he thought that he had uh, something he was writing of his true crime, and he was so happy, and I was so happy, and I came in, waved it to my mom, and she says, now you can get your benefits. So we decided my dad was looking out for me as an angel looking out to help me get those benefits. Another thing that happened was when I was at the house and mom had died, I was in the house one day and I'm in the bathroom of the parents' uh, bedroom or the bedroom that I took over and they had three mirrors and if you closed them, they all you know, encircled you or encased you, and so you could see yourself from the side and from the side. But you put them back, and they were, you know, on two sides in the middle. Well, I look, and there's like steam or something or, or, or mist or something on the mirror in the middle. And there's, in the middle of it, a Z. And what that meant to me was when I was a kid, I didn't like to go to school. And I was only four blocks away, so I walked to elementary and back. You know. To get me up in the morning, Mom would present a sandwich for me. It was an egg omelet or an egg sandwich. And she put a little ketchup on it with, in the, the shape of a Z because one of the number one shows at the time was the Disney version of Zorro. And it was oh, yeah. get up, yeah. And that was the same period that we had the Davy Crockett coonskin caps. And so I would always get up. So what that told me is mom is here with me now. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's amazing. It doesn't take much, but it's a little thing like that. And so, uh, you know, but the situation happened a month ago, as of tomorrow, and I was on a street, busy street, here in Orlando, and I was walking on the sidewalk, going, you know, I was walking to uh, somewhere, I was going to have lunch at a place, and I had... Uh, an encounter with a vicious German shepherd that was held uh, somehow to something, tied to something at a house with no fence, no, 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 nothing between it and me, and it started barking. 
At the same time, just before that, there had been a guy at the bus stop just before where I was. The guy said hello to me. I don't know who he was. I don't know why he said hello to me. And so I, you know, continued my walk and then encountered this dog. Didn't know really what to do, so I stopped and paused. Didn't say anything, just knew that something was going to happen. In fact, that that dog got free, launched onto me. It was such a vicious attack, I ended up in the street. And the saving grace was the fact that that bus was picking up this passenger. Otherwise, I would be dead and possibly the dog too. Something looking at And I just, you know, other people say, well, did you do this? Did you do that? Well, I had passed out after the dog attacked me. I felt like a football player in a football play where you're tackled, and that's how it felt. I'm out cold for a minute or two, and people picked me up out of the street and got me out of there, and the bus went on its way. I don't know who this person was. And thinking about it, now, looking back, that guy was in a white kind of, you know, what you think of angels. I didn't see any wings, but this was a white outfit. And, you know, you think of when you see Jesus in some of the depictions um, going around uh, where he went. Uh, or other biblical things. And so I think that person, whoever it was, was an angel sent to save my life. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, it could have been any number of spirits, but the fact that of the timing of that was just phenomenal. Exactly, and that's why I say because why did he say hello to me? And I've read your books, and those those incidents that you talk about are the same kind of thing. Because somebody, somebody you saw before the incident said hello to you or to someone else that you you talk about in the situation, and I'm not sure why, but I do know it saved my life. That that is amazing. I have there's a story that I didn't put in uh, my book that I might put mm-hmm. in a, a future book. I I call it Angels in the Alley. Um, uh-huh. It was just one of those weird situations when um, Curtis and I had just moved to Atlanta, not maybe three months prior, and uh-huh. he he got pulled over by Atlanta PD. And I knew he was on his way home because he called me. It happened to be a day that I was not working. And he called me and said, um, start the pizza, you know, start dinner. I'll be home soon. And, you know, I cooked the pizza and, you know, four o'clock in the morning, he still hadn't come home yet. But in between times I had been calling and calling and, you know, I called him and got no answer and um, he did tell me that he was being pulled over. He said, I shouldn't be more than 15 minutes. I probably was yeah. speeding. 
Well, uh-huh. that wasn't what happened. It was a lot of bu- it was a bureaucratic error uh-huh. that ended up putting him in jail overnight. Wow. And wow. he finally finally called me and told me that uh, he, where he was, he said, just get all the cash you can and come bail me out. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have that much cash on hand, but I went to, um, you know, went to the police station. I didn't, I, I didn't know clue how this works, you know? Mm-hmm. So I go to the police station and I said, I'm here to bail out my fiance. He's in, you know, he's been arrested. Mm-hmm. And the, before he called me, I had called the morgue. I had called all the police departments. Nobody knew where he was. Uh, called yeah. the hospitals, every single one. He wasn't admitted anywhere. So he was like, mm-hmm. in my mind, he just disappeared. So yeah. I ended up um, going to the police station where he told me to, because, you know, there's more than one, and mm-hmm. you got to go to the right one. So I went mm-hmm. to the right one, and I told them that I was there to pick him up, and they said, well, I'm sorry, he's not in my system. I said, he's got to be. He t- called me yeah. from this number. So uh-huh. the cop said, well, he's probably being processed. Why don't you go and um, I, he said, oh, you're going to have to bail him out. I said, well, how much is that going to cost? He goes, I don't know. I said, yeah. I don't know what he's been charged with. Why was he picked uh-huh. up? So I told the police officer at the desk what was going on. He said, oh, it'll probably cost you maybe $1,000, maybe a little more. I don't know. I'm like, what? Uh-huh. So... I asked him where, how do I do this? He said, well, you have to go to a bail bondsman. I can't give you, you know, I can't take cash here. You have to go to a bail bondsman. Well, no. Where are they? He said, they're all over the place. Now, this, bear in mind, this was 4 o'clock in the morning in downtown uh-huh. Atlanta. Yeah. So I go across the street, and there's a line out the door. I mean, literally wow. out the door. And one guy says, well, they're air conditioning's not working, and they had a power outage, and blah, blah, blah. All kinds of things are wrong. So I said, well, where else can I go? And somebody else pointed me to another place. I went there, and they said their ATM machine was down, or their card reader. Now, this was almost 25 years ago, so electronics weren't the way they are today. So I said, well, where else can I go? I'm I'm panicking because I... I tend to be very responsive, but I don't like waiting in line. And I don't know. I don't either. You know, I don't know what's going on. So I wanted to find somebody who could help me know what was happening. So somebody said, well, over on such and such street is right behind the, the police department. You can go over there, but you probably want to drive. Yeah. I'm like, bear in mind, 25 years ago, I was much more impetuous than I am today. And and I could walk really fast and really well. So I said, so I'll just walk over there. I could see the bail bondsman sign from where I was standing. So I just walked right. down the side of the building. To me, I felt uh-huh. like I was in the brightest sunlight. I was just walking down a well-illuminated street. Mm-hmm. And... I go and the door is locked, so I have to ring the bell and she has to let me in. And this woman starts talking to me and I tell her what's happening. And I break down crying because I was very emotional at the time. And Uh so we talk and she says, how did you, where where did you come from? Or where are you parked? 
And I said, oh, I'm over there, blah, blah. She said, and you drove over here? I said, no, I just walked over from the police department. I said, yeah. She said, nobody goes down that alley. I said, it wasn't an alley. It was like a courtyard. And it was very well lit. She steps out with me. She looks. She said, now, where did you walk from? And I pointed. And it was totally black. Absolutely pitch black. No lights on at all. Wow. She said, young lady, you had an angel walking beside you, lighting your path. I said, you think? She goes, there's no way you could have gotten here at all, much less safely and unmolested. She said, get in my car. I'll take you back to yours. So she drove me like three, had to go around three blocks to get to the Uh police department because in that area, everything's a one-way street. So we had to go, you know, you know how they say two rights don't make a wrong? Well, three rights make a left. So we had to drive three different, you know, three blocks to get half a block. And yeah. um, we walk in there, and she was a tiny little woman, real small, uh, um, uh, like I maybe weighed 100 pounds soaking wet if yeah. somebody else was holding her on the scales. Really uh-huh. diminutive little older lady. And she yeah. goes up to the to the guy, she knew him by first name. I don't remember what it was. And she's like, George, mm-hmm. this young lady's here to get her fiance out of jail. And I want you to make that happen. He says, well, who yeah. is it? He said, I remember she came in here a few minutes ago or an hour ago or yeah. whatever. So we tell her, tell him the name he goes, well, he's not been processed yet. You're going to have to wait. And about that time oh. I saw him through a window mm-hmm. And I'm like, there he is, there he is, that's him, that's him. And I started pointing, and and the lady goes, George, get him out here now. It was just a traffic. And what the bottom line was, he had three years previously had his driver's license suspended in Florida uh-huh. for for child support issues. And he got his child support paid up, but somehow the bureaucracy never bothered to tell anybody that his driver's license had been restored. Yeah, that's a normal occurrence because I used to work so, in the courthouse. Yeah, we we had to take, you know, had to get his dad to do a lot of footsteps, and, and Curtis gave him all the instructions on how to do it and get all the paperwork yeah. he needed to prove that he was current on his child support. And mm-hmm. once we took that to the court, everything was thrown out. And I only yeah. lost 1% of what I had to pay that woman. But she was just so impressed that I was walking down that very dark alley. And I, I thought it was lighted up. I really thought it was a, a cute little courtyard with benches and you know places to, yeah. to take your lunch and, and trees and flowers. She said, no, honey, uh-huh. that is a drug-infested place right next to the police department even the police don't like to walk down there wow but you know that that's what you're saying um thinking about it i always had a problem with march 15th you know the ides of march going back to when i was in high and we studied shakespeare 
and it was uh, the play Julius Caesar, if I remember, and they said to Caesar, beware of the Ides of March. Well, that's exactly when our son died. Oh, wow. The thing is, I did not know that that's what was going to occur, and yet I had what in writing is called foreshadowing that it would. I had dreams. I didn't sleep. And at that, at that age, in my 40s, I still could sleep through the night. Went to sleep each night with my ex, ex-wife, put the kids down, and I'd wake up and have this dream. And it was a dream of a baby lying there dead. And oh. thinking about it. After it all occurred, I looked, and it was our son. So it was foretelling that he was going to die. And Mm. how deal with it, you don't know, because you don't know about how to deal with it. You just keep getting these visions, and once it occurs, you say, oh, well, that's it. And, you know, it's just um, unfortunate, but that's the way things are in our society. And so that's why I firmly believe that there is what is known as crossover, and I've read plenty of books about it through the years. And, you know, it uh, continues to be a part of, I don't discount it. And other people say, well, no, no, that, that couldn't happen. And then they say Twilight Zone, and sometimes they they kind of sing the music of the Twilight Zone. And I said, no, you know, hey, give me a break, you know. And you may not believe, but I do. And other people do, too. Yeah. And there are so many stories out there. That's why I started this podcast because I uh-huh. figured if I have these stories, other people do too. And you're proof of that. And I have guests come on or just sometimes I'll just open the channel up and I'll have callers call in mm-hmm. and they will tell me their stories. Um, it, it, it's amazing how much a uh, part of these Angels and spirits play in our lives. I know there's one story in my my book, my first book, Go With Angels, called Jojo. Uh And Uh it's about my, you know, my son was, oh, I don't know. I I, I can't remember how old everybody was at the time, but my my, my ex-husband's sister Mm -hmm. killed herself. She committed suicide by overdosing on pills. And she had a, um, mm-hmm. there, there was a lot of um, backstory that I won't get into on that one. But I knew when I first heard that she had died, I knew uh-huh. in my heart that she had killed herself. Well, the family denied this over yeah. and over and, and violently denied it, threatened me mm-hmm. if I told anybody that she had killed herself. Because they just didn't want, they thought there was a stigma. They didn't want to discuss it. 
And yeah. even though she had left a note, it wasn't a suicide note. It was just a love note to her mother. Uh, uh-huh. Like she, like she left a love note to her mother every Tuesday. I don't know. But yeah. um, anyway, she was in her early 30s when she took her life. And mm-hmm. my oldest son probably was uh, uh, 10 to 12 years old. And they'd always mm-hmm. been very close, you know, nephew and aunt. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, I just lived with the family legend that she did not kill herself and didn't talk about it to anybody. I, did, I never mentioned oh. it to my sons. So oh. many years later, my son's in his 30s. Now, yeah. I did not know that he had been communicating with his deceased aunt for years. Oh, So one day he calls me up. I think he was, might have been living in Virginia at the time. I don't really remember where he was living. He was in the Navy. But he called me up on the phone one day. He goes, Mom, you know I talked to Aunt Jojo, right? And I said, no, I'm not surprised because I know how close you were when she was alive. But I never knew that. He said, yeah, she and I talk all the time. I'm like, that's kind of cool. He said, yeah. yeah, the last time she came to me was yesterday, and she had a message for you. I said, uh-huh. oh, can you remember the message? He goes, oh, yeah. He said, she wanted you to know that you were right. I said, well, Richard, uh-huh. I'm your mother. You should know I'm always right. What was I right about this time? And we both laughed, you know. He said, no, she uh-huh. said to tell you you were right about her. She did commit yeah. suicide. I said, oh, Uh okay, well, it's nice to be validated. And he said, she wants you to know that she has never in her life on earth been happier than she is now. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm like, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. You know, thinking about that, it gives me the thing of, they always say that twins are constantly in touch with either each other, even though one, say, lives in Seattle, the other one lives in, say, uh, Miami, and that there's communication through somewhere. And when one twin has something bad happen, the other one knows it. And so there's been reports and reports. So I took that for another story because... It goes back to what I believe. And in the collection of Slotsky's World, it's called Eradication. And I always liked a friend. His name was Maurice Shaw. And his mom was in a place in St. Petersburg. I won't say what that place is, a senior home. And her name was Mrs. Shaw. But in the story that I had, I had several stories that I had not completed, but I tied them all in because the the final thing that did it was Valesa Shaw at Manor of Menorahs in St. Petersburg, Florida. Well, Valesa is playing chess with one of her friends, and I've already explained there's a starship commander and he's showing the starship because uh, it's in 
the uh, dry dock or, or whatever the like the Enterprise is in, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, and he's there's hardly anybody of the crew. They're on uh, shore leave, but he's showing this what appears to be a female, and she says, "I've never seen a starship." Well, she kills him, and the, there's no body. I won't say why, but Valesa playing chess with one of her friends gets a jolt, and she tells him something's happened to my son. She tries to call the space authority. They don't know anything. And then she finally tracks down a detective. He goes and investigates and finds out what it is. The point is, I took from what I knew of the twins and built a whole story around it. And I'm always doing something like that because the other aspect is I believe it and I believe in it, and especially having had all these occurrences, and I'm sure there's others that I don't remember, but you always have to be open to the possibility that they that these things do occur. And as a joke, I say from It's a Mad, Mad World, Ethel Merman yeah. saying, and, you know, going, these things just happen one of the funniest lines in the whole movie. Of course, the whole movie is. But that's my point. These things just happen. And for people to criticize other people is wrong. Because they may not believe, but to criticize somebody else, that that's that's not that's not proper. And it's not the person no. is mental problem or something. The person had these things occur, knows they occurred, and I don't remember if I kept that picture of, of the situation, but I know that mentally I remember it. And that's all that matters. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. I, I've heard voices for most of my life that nobody else hears. My mother told me that when I was a child, I used to play with the angels. And she never called them imaginary playmates. They were my angels. But I remember one time I was asking, you know, why am I the one to see and hear these things? And the answer came back to me, because you will. Because you're open-minded and open-hearted. And you allow us to, you know, be here. But they, they also said even if you chose not to witness us, we would still be here. And another time they said, you don't have to believe in angels, but we believe in you. Uh-huh. That's it. And, I mean, I don't understand how quantum physics works. I don't understand the goings-on, you know, why why some things happen and other things don't. There is no rhyme or reason to it these things just happen exactly and 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 we're not supposed to we're not supposed to know it's just like the same thing of the situation of the death of my son why did he die we don't know you know we're we're not meant to know maybe how old was he Larry? yeah 
How old was your son? Two and a half months. Oh. Yeah. And our marriage dissolved. I mean. Our our marriage dissolved, and my brother, an attorney, said, do not let it. If if, If you're going to get a divorce somewhere along the line, do not let it be because of your son. And it wasn't, because it was many years later, and it was, it had nothing to do with his death. But in situations of parents, it often breaks apart the marriage. Uh, but the thing is, I determined that it was to possibly uh, help both of us move forward in our lives. I don't know if that's the reason, but we don't know. But as to the angels helping us, same thing. But but I don't question this person at that bus stop because of the fact that he said there was no reason for him to even say hello to me, somebody just passing by. But he did. And so I believe it was a message to me of when this occurred, because I just look at it bad times ahead, but I'm here to protect you, and that's why he was getting on that bus. Because it put that bus, it put the bus in the situation where it blocked the traffic from coming, and it saved my life. And see, I think a lot of people might go, well, that's just a coincidence. And yeah, but I call a coincidence a divine happenstance. And I think... You know, whether that person on the bus was the angel or whether the angels just put it there. I mean, so much worse could have happened to you if that bus had not come along when it did. Exactly. That's why that person was there or that angel was there to get that bus. And that's the fact that I realize because... Whether you believe or not, I don't care. I do. And I know. Exactly. And had that person, the, had that the person fact that you believe me, is going to, yeah. I think, well, no, I don't think. I know. Because you believe in this kind of happenstance, you're going to find more and more of them in your life. I mean, look at the situation. I got five minutes left in the show, but... um the the way my books came about, the first book I wrote, I started it 40 years ago. And I've just been adding to it, adding to it. And like I told you the story about the angel in the alley, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't add that story because I didn't think I didn't remember it at the time that I put the book together. Yeah. Yeah. But I kept getting messages, finish the book, finish the book, finish the book now. So when I finished the book, it was like they said, okay, she's listening. And then I, you know, within a year, Gary, I published three different books about angels. Uh Why? How? That's a, that's a lot of work. And it's a lot of, the, the thing that the first book was a collection of stories. So that was not that hard to just put the collection together. 
But the other two books were brand new ideas. The concept for them was new. I had no idea that I was going to write them until all of a sudden I was writing them. And the last one especially, I feel like I didn't write it. I was just given the information. And I, I was just the tool that put it all together. And so as a result of my listening and getting out of my own way, I've been able to write more. Yeah. And in my case, The Forgotten Father began as a therapeutic way to deal with the death of our, my, our son. Uh-huh. And I wrote it back when it occurred, just put it aside for so long. Always knew I'd get it published. And when the opportunity presented itself, I did it. And then I started finding that there's a reason uh, for the book to be, and that is to shed light on the fact that when a child dies, no matter what circumstance, what age, the father is always exactly the title, Forgotten Father Coping with Grief. And the reason is people believe that men are supermen and that they don't have to worry about emotions. But we do have emotions, and it it leads to problems, maybe. And so it would have been nice if somebody had come up to me or any other father and said, how are you dealing with it? How are you? I'm here to listen if you want. Nobody said that to me. Nobody did that. It was always, how's your wife? How's your wife? How are the kids? How are you? You know, it wasn't, how are you? And I was on a program in Brevard, you know, and uh, there was someone up from Palm Beach, and she said, well, my husband and I had a situation similar. You know, I'm going to go home because it's been so many years, but I'm going to ask him how he's doing. And we're going to discuss it. Well, that was, I was so relieved. I was so happy to hear that people got the message of the other reason I wrote the book. And so maybe that's a possible reason. I don't know. But the thing is, I don't disbelieve. Other people do. And as you say, I I look forward to other occurrences that are similar to what happened to me last month because I'm still here and uh, you have to just have an open mind. Yeah. Well, Gary, that takes me to the end of the show and I want to wish you a lot of success with sales of the book and your other books. And I want to also give you a quick shout out for being the book reviewer for Be Unique magazine. Um, anybody wants to pick up a copy of Be Unique, uh, go online. There's information about how to get a printed copy or just download the uh, digital version. And you can read all of Gary's reviews there for the last umpteen years. You've been with us practically uh, from I the beginning. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, you know, people can find my books on Amazon. They're Kindles right now. But the publisher has assured me he's going to, work a deal with Amazon whereby if people want a copy of the book, they can get it. 
Uh, it will just take working the deal through with Amazon, but just check my name out, and you can find my books on Amazon. Uh, I love that my reviews are with you, and this has been just a wonderful experience and just continues to be. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, and I appreciate you being on my show. And I'm going to say goodbye because Blog Talk will kick us out very shortly. Um, Okay. And you and I will talk again soon. Bye, Gary. Okay. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Go With Angels with Mary Brotherton. If you want to order a copy of Go With Angels, just reach out to mary at beunique.org for details. That's B-U-N-E-K-E dot org. And be sure to tune in every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more stories about angelic encounters. Follow Be Unique Radio on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss a single episode.